Greetings, true believers, and welcome to episode five of the Polis Podcast, season two, a bi-weekly show about comics, pop culture, and faith. My name is Chris Poirier, and with me is the one and only Hector. How's it going, Hector? I'm only the one and only because I won a strenuous copyright battle, but yeah, I need mean, to leave that, out. that was that was a long time, and we'll be leaving the Patreon in the comment sections later, so you can support <laughs> Hector's long-fought battle to be the one and only. And we're back. So comics are back and pretty much almost quasi-normal. So go ahead, strap yourselves in, prepare yourselves for We've Got Comic Sign. Better put the word out. Get ready for the nerd out. Better put specs on. Better bring next song. On today's episode of The Pull List, we're going to kind of catch up on this continuing return of single issue print comics a lot of new industry news which we've been talking about for the last couple episodes but um, the industry keeps doing industry things and publishers keep doing publisher things so we got stuff to talk about and that and everything we've been reading and even some things that you our faithful listeners have been listening to listening to they've been reading wow it's been a while since we do the podcast thing that's chris's fault but this is the pullets podcast I mean, you can listen oh, to comics if you want. I mean, it's your, your I mean, deal. We might have to look in to see what options there are to listen to comics, because that could be awesome. But then again, somebody would probably be really angry about that, you know, because people get angry about not reading comics, I guess. Well, but Amazon Alexa can oh. actually read your books to you, so I meant, you know. Oh, I've not actually wonder... tried to do it if to see if it can do a comic book. For but... a graphic novel or something? Yeah, I wanted to describe every panel to me. <laughs> That'd be awesome, but have yeah, it describe so Batman we, Damned number one. That'd be great. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> now half of you have no idea why that's funny, and the other half of you are like, "That's not right." Hector curse. <laughs> yeah, but here we go. So lots of stuff been going on in comics. Um, where to even begin with all this? You know what? I think I'm going to leave the heavy conversation on DC to the end so let's start with some kind of dc middle of the ground uh stuff so the joker war is upon us if if all of you are not aware uh in the current in tinian's current run we've been figuring out who this bad dude the designer is and it's all been leading up to basically a batman joker standoff and that was going to be joker war in the previous run, we had the War of Jokes and Riddles, and that was pretty awesome. But now we're going to have a head-to-head Batman and Joker standoff. And just in case you were curious, all 25 issues or more of Mainline and Crossover will be available for your perusal over the next Lord knows how many months. But as of the release of this podcast, you will be already two issues behind <laughs> on reading uh, The Joker War. So, Which good two times. Issues? Um. I believe it should be both of the Nightwing. That Nightwing, the last Nightwing, which I believe was 71, definitely had stuff in it. But I've heard, I think 70 is on the official reading list, but I'm not sure why. Okay. Um, okay. So if I remember correctly, it's either that or the book comes out this week. I'm going to double check it really quick. But I was pretty sure it said 70. Because fact checking is important, kids. Yeah, Nightwing 70 is listed as the first one, and 71 was this week, right? 
I believe so. This past week? Yeah. So technically you were supposed to read the issue before that as officially tied into the Joker War. You're welcome. Uh, the notes will be in the notes of the show so you can see the complete list of crossovers for that entire event. But just in case you're curious, there's going to be five or six mainline Batman stories. There are five or six Nightwings, four detectives, three or four Batgirls, one Harley Quinn, two Catwomans, one Red Hood, and then a one-shot The Joker War Zone. Great. Add at at least five variants for all of those. And those of you that are completionists, this is why we hate ourselves as comic collectors. Because crossover books have never hurt the comic book industry. Never, ever. Never, ever. But the Joker War has finally graced us with its presence. So uh, strap in, um, Batman and Joker folks, because this one's going to be a long ride. And get your wallets and expand your credit. I'm still waiting for Bat and Cat from freaking Tom King, but you know, whatever. (sighs) That made me sad. (sighs) Batman 50, the thing that will live with us for always. Um, So moving on to the other side of things, onto the Marvel side. I've got some cool news. At least I found it kind of neat with everything that's been going on all over the country. And we're not talking about COVID. We're now talking about all of the unrest and dealing with just the police brutality issues and everything going on. A lot of corporations have stepped into the space to show their support in some way or try to draw attention to the black community. And Marvel has decided that on their platform, Marvel Unlimited, Um, So their digital platform, they're offering a showcase that they're calling their free black creator showcase. And literally you can find a collection of all of those creators um, for free. So if you sign up for Marvel Unlimited, you you have a section that you can go and see all of the talented creators that have done stuff for Marvel in one collected place. So out of all of us receiving thousands of emails from every corporation telling us what they're doing, um, I found it pretty neat that Marvel was finding a way to be able to showcase the creators because a lot of times we don't know who a lot of these folks are unless they're really big name folks or whatnot. So I found it really kind of neat that they'd be able to use this opportunity to do something that, well, I suppose, honestly, they probably should always be doing because there's cool creators that are doing stuff across all the spectrums. But that's one resource in the middle of all this that if you folks are interested in finding out a little more, you can download Marvel Unlimited on pretty much any of the platforms that digital stuff is available in your app stores. So if you want to check that out, you can check that out. And then, unfortunately, we have some unfortunate DC news uh, before we get to kind of our big topic in the news for today that in this past week, we lost a legend um, in Denny O'Neill and... Yeah, um, Denny's a dude that, I mean, his hands as a writer were just in so many different major characters in DC space. And he's a gentleman that I only had the opportunity to meet once very briefly, but to say that he had a huge impact on the DC universe is an understatement, to say the least. So I know know, Hector that you kind of had some moments there, so I'm going to kind of hand it off to you to kind of share a little bit. I only met Denny. Well, I think I met Denny a couple times, but like in talking with them, I realistically put Denny on the Denny, I think is the closest equivalent um, to 
Stan Lee on the DC side mm. of the pond. The only difference is Denny was not the charismatic outgoing person that was going to like make sound bites. Um, right. Denny is Stan Lee without PR. And, but Denny is the reason we moved out of the Adam West Batman era. Denny is the reason we got a dark night. Denny is the reason the hunt, not the hunt, but the, that the question Ex, you know, really yep. was a cool character. Denny is the reason we had Batman Venom and uh, some of the best Green Lantern, Green Arrow stuff. I mean, it's just literally Denny is Denny is responsible for most of what made DC great in the seventies and eighties. And even with that, Denny has a like issue in the Joker 80th. So, yep. like. Literally, the guy has been legendary for so long, but was still contributing. And so if you are one of these people that want to kind of catch up, the 80th, you know, I don't know what DC has laid out, but very well, the 80th could be Denny's last contribution. It's true. I don't know that. I haven't researched that, but just I know that I just picked something up the day before Denny died that he wrote. So... You know, that's something we should you yeah, know, he look could, into. He could be slated for other 80ths that are yet to come out, but a majority of them have come out. So you're yeah. right. It'll be interesting to see. And having, I mean, I only saw him almost exactly a year ago and he was still, you know, on the con circuit and doing signings and that type of stuff. So hardworking dude. But like you said, you know, he's kind of one of those guys that you'd have to go looking for that, you know. Everyone's like, oh, Stan's here or other big names are always, you know, billboarded. And Neil Adams has 25 banners and Denny has like a DIY, (laughs) like a cardboard cutout sign he made from like, you know, somebody else's box. Like he was not the flash, flashy person. And and that's a great side by side because those are two creators that work together on their seminal work that that was Green Arrow, Green Lantern. Um the two of them did a majority of that run that was so powerful side by side, but two entirely kind of mirror <laughs> opposite uh, personalities, but still amazing stuff that it's so true. I read another article today that pointed out that a lot of what we got in the arrow on CW was from Denny's run. Oh yeah, so absolutely. It, if you like that, then well, <laughs> it wouldn't exist without Denny. So it's, it's really tough because we're kind of hitting this point that a lot of the big guys after that very first generation of comic book writers and artists here in America are starting to they're starting to get up there and we're starting to lose some of them. And that's why I've I've told many being very honest in conversations as I see them on the road of it's cool to go see the guy who's super hot right now, the gal who's super hot right now, but at a lot of these shows there's a lot of the dudes that you know, cut their teeth in the early part of the industry that gave us who we are that are still going to these cons, but you know, aren't the banner people. Um, and I've tried really hard at a lot of shows I make to catch up with some of these folks because they're not going to be around forever. And it's really neat to see where, where we came from as an industry. And Denny's a dude that I wish I had spent more time talking with. Um, he reminds me a lot of Marv Wolfman and how he travels, that Marv's the same way. Like, he does all of his own stuff. He sets up his own table. Um, and then he sits there and just beams 
And it's funny because he can be next to, you know, a Tom King who's got a three hour line and nobody's there talking to Marv. Um, so I guess what I'm trying to say, fam, is if you really love comics, take the opportunities once we get shows again to see a lot of these talented folks because their lines aren't going to be super long all the while. And you could learn some really cool stuff because a lot of them love to share stories about back in the day and where they came up with a lot of this stuff. And some of those stories are just amazing. And that is Chris's reason why he misses cons so much right now. <laughs> oh, um, but, but Denny, you, you've done a, done a lot for comics and we are certainly going to miss you, sir. So rest in peace, friend. Um, and I think that transition, though slightly awkward, brings us to kind of the big news item. And we want to spend a little bit of time here, a little more than we probably would in the news, is to talk about, again, the distribution of comics. I know last episode we kind of did the same thing because things were kind of up in the air. The industry was coming back and we didn't really know what was coming next because there were lots of question marks next to Diamond distribution because DC had set up these other two companies that were distributing and no one really knew what that meant. Well, and plus I also love that, you know, like Michael tagged us on love Thy nerds community. Like, all right, Chris and Hector, what's happening? Like, <laughs> right. you know, tell it, us what's happening. It's, it's really nice to you know that when something does go up that we get like a bat signal. So I truly do appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah, that big old bat signal head up in the sky and went, hey, comic dudes that actually understand how this junk works. We're like, we we, we kind of don't because it's so complicated. But here we go. Let's talk distribution and, of comics again, fam. And there are lots of people in the Love Thy Nerd community that have great input and insight into comics. We just have the yep. we just have the you know podcast. So That's right. Here you are, the Polis Podcast, season two. Um so DC Comics seems kind of obvious that this is where this conversation was going to end up. Um, time of recording, it was a week ago. It was a week ago. Um, DC, here's here's a little nugget for all of you who are curious. DC only delivers bad news on Fridays. Um, if you've never noticed this pattern, it's actually something that we kind of joke about inside retail that if we get an email, usually afternoon Eastern time, um, from DC, it's probably not good news. And about one o'clock ish Eastern, everyone received an email informing them that DC Comics was no longer going to distribute through Diamond uh, distributors, which is a really big deal on a multitude of reasons. Um, one of which being that all the comic publishers usually sign. Um, some type of exclusivity distribution agreement with Diamond, at least with the big ones. Sometimes the independents are given more leeway, but DC, Marvel, et cetera, typically sign, you know, they can do direct type things or sometimes they use major publishers for their graphic novels, which DC uses Penguin. Um, but comics usually has some type of an agreement and DC said, we out. And everybody collectively in the millisecond went, what? Because books were ordered. Because as we kind of talked about last episode, we got to do that usually 30 to 60 days in advance. And they said, you've got two weeks until it was two or three weeks. It was the end of the month, basically, that we won't be distributing through Diamond anymore. So you need to pick one of the two um, 
distributors that we went with during the whole COVID thing because reasons. That did not go over super great <laughs> in the industry. Um, like always, there were kind of both sides to this. And Hector, I know you kind of got some feedback from a couple, so I'm kind of curious. Let's use this opportunity to kind of what did you hear initially from some of the retailers you spoke to? And then I'll share because I walked into a couple shops like literally hours after it happened into owners talking about what they were going to do next. So I'm kind of curious because you mentioned you talked to a few folks. What what did you hear early on? Because we're going from this is the way comics have been distributed for over 30 years now. That sounds yeah. right. Um, before the independent, because there were all independents and then diamonds slowly absorbed everyone. And we got, we inherited the monopoly that we have today. So this wasn't business as usual. This was a big change. Well, there's one shop in my area called angry comics that literally, were they angry? Yeah, they they, they were not. (laughs) They were like, they were all for something new Mm -hmm. and they didn't mind a bit and they thought it was fine. Um, uh, the, one of my other local shops that, uh, Dragon's Lair, you know, nor- for a lot of this stuff, they have been real, real vocal on their disappointment that DC has done in some other areas, but they stayed mm-hmm. completely silent on this. Like, Oh, interesting. Like they have been one of the more vocal ones, but, uh, you know, they literally just, said nothing they said they had you know they had some books that didn't show up they said they had some shipment issues but beyond that you know they didn't do anything else now when dc made their first like uh diamond thing uh back with the covid stuff in general they had like dc sucks sales um (laughs) right where i saw a couple of those other places as well there was a lot of that um, but you know, there's that now, did you, are, were you going to mention, uh, Alan's post? Um, not directly. If you want to share a little bit about it, because I, it's been a moment since I saw exactly what they well, said. Well, it was, uh, one of my first, the first thing I actually saw outside of, you know, being tagged in it by Michael, like, uh, a gentleman that runs one of the, lo- many of the local shops in our Chris's former area said that yep. DC has done more damage to oh, the right. comic book industry in the past month than all of COVID did on its own. Yep. And so there were, there were some strong feelings. How about you? What was your, uh, I, where about? I was at, cause I was out, um, in the wilds of Florida and seeing as I live in Georgia and my parents have a place in Florida means that I bounce between the two states that everyone talks about right now. So good times. Um, but I walked into a shop where, where we were in Florida and they were kind of the same thing of, they're like, this is really, really annoying. Um, but kind of where I heard a lot of other shops end up, they kind of were in the, I I can't not sell Batman. I can't not sell, um, detective Superman, like, it's DC comics that we can be upset with the process. And we probably should be um, for many of the reasons we talked about in the last episode of these two new distributors are literally friends of friends of 
DC leadership. And they're also both of they're two of the largest online discount comic shops in the world um, that, you know, there's parts of it that don't feel so great when you look at it and the expectations of it that literally everyone else now is ordering from two of their competitors <laughs> um, for all intents and purposes to just be able to sell a Batman book. Um, but I also saw a few posts of literally people that pulled every single DC book that they currently had off their shelves and were like, you can call DC and ask them why I'm upset. And I was like, whoa, that's a thing. Um, that just seems like counterproductive though. It, I, I tend to agree, but having sat in the shoes of a lot of those guys, I understand also that they were literally given less than 72 hours to put, to replace orders that they had already put in over a month ago. Um, so that, that's a pain. I get that. Um, and that the big, here's the thing that really comes down to kind of the middle meat of this discussion is what was not discussed in any of those emails or anything is it were all retailers going to maintain their discounts. What were the new shipping costs? Are they comparable, higher, lower, et cetera? Um, that all the things that a business owner actually cares about was not addressed um, in the initial emails and communications. Everyone kind of had to just sign up and find out. Now, after talking to a handful of folks that made the transitions as quickly as they could, they said most things currently appear comparable at the most, but it's hard to say um, until we get a couple weeks in because the next thing is going to be is do I get everything? How quickly do they do replacements? How quickly do they replace damages? Um Another big thing was that in this move, DC did away with affidavits for destroyed comics. And what this is, is when we get damages at a shop, we report them. And so that basically we don't get charged for damaged stuff or they send us stuff back to replace it if the print is available. If the print isn't available, then you get your money back because you don't have product. Most of the major companies, except for Marvel, um, don't require you to send back evidence of damages. Now, literally, if a company does that, we do what's called stripping of covers, and we literally will tear the cover off from a book and send it back, which is one of the most gut-wrenching things I ever had to learn in comics. Okay, so you, have a you pile only of- had to do that with damaged books. When I worked at Walden Books, we had to do that to every comic book at the end of every month. No, because we're going to sell that stuff. Technically, I guarantee what they were doing is they were damaging them out to try to get their money back, but that's not how it works. <laughs> But that, that was literally my job at the end of every month was to rip the cover off of every comic book and magazine and mail them. Yeah, that, that depresses me because that means they were probably taking advantage of the, uh, the damage thing where the rest of us are like, we're stuck with this product. And, um, but that's actually what got me reading comic books again. So I'll take it. <laughs> there you go. Um, and trust me, plenty of stores try to do that. And that's why some of the companies required the send back of the stuff so that you couldn't sell it after you claimed it as damaged and all that. Um, but DC used to allow us to identify the damages and sign a sworn affidavit, basically saying that, yes, we destroyed the product. Um, because a lot of the times, just because of the volume of books we were ordering and unfortunately the number of damages, the cost of sending stuff back that was destroyed was prohibitive. Um, 
But apparently DC is going back to that under the new model. So some people are wondering how that will long-term affect some of our back-and-forth shipping cost and how long it takes to get credit back for damages and that type of stuff. So it's really boring stuff, but the reason that a lot of shops are taking this kind of to heart is there's a lot of small things that add up to big things that weren't really addressed in the first couple of weeks, and everybody's still kind of going along for the ride to find out what these things mean. And to make it even more complicated, because DC uses an outside provider for their trade paperbacks, um, some of that stuff is available through their new distributorships, but some of it is they're just like, we'll go to our primary book distributor, Penguin, set up an account and do those separately. So now you have another account um, to set up and find out whether your discounts are going to be the same or not. And that's where some people are more concerned because the trades the deeper discounts are why we have trades on the shelves because those are considerably more expensive than single issue comics. So everyone's kind of waiting to see where all of their different discounts actually fall, what the shipping rates actually fall on, and then just what the entire process is going to be. So if you now look at an owner and wonder why they're pulling out any hair they may have left, this is why, is they now have three weeks to find out what is this going to look like, not look like. Um, how much longer will the diamond warehouses be continuing to ship any back stock they currently have? So what can we still order that they have, or has it already been sent back? It's just, unfortunately from the retail side, there's probably a lot more questions than there are answers at the moment. And that's why a lot of owners are frustrated. So now let me end this conversation in the most important part of this. Because this is a question that Hector and I got asked. What does that mean for all of you that go to the store? Absolutely nothing at the moment. So for the most part, unless your owner decides to stage a bit of a protest and not carry certain things, none of that should fall upon you as um, basically comic folks. And honestly, a lot of owners, that's the position they're trying to take because you don't need to be bogged down in all of that um, – Minutia that I just explained that for those of you that are interested, I just gave you a ton of knowledge on a bunch of random stuff you never cared to know about. Congratulations. It's the world of podcasting. All you ever um, do is make me not want to own a comic book shop, Chris. And that's, <laughs> that's depressing. It's, it's really depressing. Yeah. For anyone that listens to us to be like, I'm going to do comics. Yeah. I've probably given you enough reasons and or gray hairs to never want to even consider it. Um, but all that aside, it's like a lot of things of still that one kid that finds that new thing and enjoys it is going to change your life forever. So um, it's not an easy industry, but once you start understanding kind of how these ins and outs work, it's not the most broken industry that I've ever seen. It just feels that way if you read um, Facebook groups and everything right now. So I sell sure, comic books it, in my driveway with cookies on Saturday. So, you know, yeah. I'm a mogul. <laughs> That's innovative. You were selling food and, and the comics in that beautiful um, shelf that you acquired. And it almost made me want to drive six hours just to buy cookies and, and comics. So, see? You're doing all right. Yeah, that's it. That's what's up. So Follow me for more recipes. Yeah, for more recipes and how to blow out your 90s comics. Um, hey, so, a good chunk of them are 80s. Ooh. All of those ROM ones st- are from like 82. I was going to say you had ROM, so that meant that it was from the 80s. 
Uh, so that's what you need to know. That's our biweekly look at the industry and delivering you some of that inside knowledge, which I hope all of you enjoy. Um, if you don't enjoy it, tell us and Chris will stop pontificating about the ins and outs of the comic book industry. But I've heard at least from some of you that you're kind of enamored by what goes on behind the curtain. So we want to continue to be able to keep you up to date because you're hearing about these things and not all shop owners really want to. Um, explain the ins and outs of their stuff because it takes that long to explain it. And that for every shop, it's going to be a little different. And that's kind of where the difficulty is. But as always, you can join in on that conversation with Hector and I and all of your other nerdy friends on the Love Thy Nerd Facebook community. Just search for Love Thy Nerd community there on the Book of Faces. Hit join and begin your geeky adventure together with us. Tell us what you liked, what you hated, or possibly even what we missed. Because we do do that occasionally. But that's later in the podcast, so we're saving it for later. We're going to jump in now and tell you about all the wonderful things that we've been reading. Because now that comics are back, we actually have a fair number of things going on. So Hector, how about you kick us off on our Parade of DC Um because I was evil and I left mostly DC books for you to talk about. And so I can say nice things about Marvel, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Write down that date. I say, I say nice things. We've, we've long covered that. We're not mean to Marvel. anymore. Um, (laughs) no, I mean, I've been getting good books. so I'm okay. I'm good. Um, so out the gate, this was the 80th anniversary of the Joker. Mm -hmm. And so that brought with it, you know, some jokery things. Um, lots of jokes. Lots of jokery things. Um, did you read the 80th? I did, or most of it. The 80, the 80, well, I'm sorry. These were 100 page 80th specials. That's confusing because usually giants are 80 pages or 88 pages, and occasionally they do 100 pages. Anyway, we're at 100 pages. Um, that's a lot of comics. <laughs> it is. Um, I got through about two thirds of it because when they do that, I find some are just kind of slow and I'm like, no, don't make me bored. Yeah. Um, for me, I straight up, um, the Joker 80th I thought was good. Um, there was like, I was on Okay. I'll say this. It was a solid book. It's worth picking up. It's 10 bucks. It's worth your money. Um, there were a couple that straight up disturbed me. Um, yeah, there was some dark stuff in this. There's yeah, no doubt the, about the that. The one with the um, the Joker under the bed. Oh yeah, yep. That was nope. that, that was rough. Um, the one Mm-mm. where the Joker crashes the little kid's birthday party. Um, yeah, that, that sociopathic Joker is is the is the Joker that I always look for. But then there are some stories that I'm just like, oh, don't don't remind me of how crazy you really are. Yeah. And um, then the one with the rose made out of flesh. I'm like, oh, yeah, you're a creeper. Um, <laughs> yep. That just happened. Yeah. So I here's what I'll say. It was it was worth the money. Um, I am not a fan of all of these 80th anniversaries. We realize a lot of the same 80 that this year, 80 years ago, contained a lot of D.C., so we yep. keep like I didn't read the um I didn't read the uh Catwoman 80th and I'm not sure if I'm going to but it's kind of on my radar too but I'll say this is the Joker 80th if you like the Joker definitely had a strong 
a strong spotlight for everything that makes him an intriguing character. Um, and mm. as previously mentioned, it actually has a Denny O'Neill story. So if you're trying to, yes. you know, catch you some Denny O'Neill, uh, while you can and it's fresh, this is great. But honestly, when I when I go to get something and there's three million covers of something, it almost makes me not want to buy it. Um, <laughs> right. And but that's that's a deal with it. So it was totally worth it. But this is going to be one of those things where after I really feel like too that with the success of the Joker movie we're going to get this dumped on us way heavy. Um, that yeah, I have the feeling Joker war is probably going to be very dark as opposed to even middle ground Joker. Yeah. I, I think this gives us a, a slight inclination to, I mean, even just the setup leading into the Joker war is some people's going to die. Cause Joker already executed like a bunch of people in the lead up. So, yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, like, yeah. with Tom King's Joker, like, at least there was a little irony. Um, it, he was brutal. I mean, he right. murdered a whole church full of people in, you know, the the best man arc, but uh, or the run up to the wedding stuff. But, like, yep. at the same time, it wasn't like I'm scared. I'm, like, intrigued by how crazy this is. Like, I feel like we're in for a dark turn. Um and to the point where I'm not crazy looking forward to the direction we're heading. Um, that being said, the uh, long-awaited uh, Batman 92, where we got our real look at uh, Punchline, which, oh, uh, yes. uh, beyond just Batman 92, Batman Secret Files number three also dropped. So between... Batman 92 and Secret Files number three, we get a really solid look of uh, who Punchline is as the new, you know, sidekick to the Joker partner, as he described Harley her replacement. What? Yeah. Harley replacement. But he actually looked at, you know, Harley and said that she was a partner and, you know, I think right. to add salt to the wound. But honestly, dude, you know, all of reading this Punchline stuff. All I see punchline is is Aubrey Plaza slash April Ludgate and makeup. Um, so in everything I read, punchline, I'm hearing uh, April Ludgate from Parks and Rec in my head. Um, <laughs> so that's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm seeing. And uh, you know, you get a Batman ninety two gives us a solid, you know, punchline battle. But it also uh, yes. gives us a little more designer information. And I mean, it's, I will say this Tenian has not delivered the worst follow up to a long Batman arc that I've ever seen. Um, like, usually when you come off of a big rider, it's hard to have a, a, a writer you feel is comfortably handling the material that you've invested in for so long. Um, right. Tinian has done a good job and almost over investment, but I felt kind of the similar. I think some of my, I still feel it feels like a new 52 story arc that got dropped in the middle of something that was very different. Yes. But I'm becoming more and more okay with that. The more I read, um, Joker it, war is going to prove to me whether this this was a great setup or a terrible one so we shall see 
Yeah, I mean, it re- now that's the thing that you have to let go if you are coming into this wanting what you've been reading for the last three years in Batman. You yeah. will not get it. You have to be willing to say, okay, this is a completely different tide, which you have to be, you have to do that if you're yep. a comic book reader. Um, True. Just because that's a thing. Um, the other, one of the other things I picked up um, was uh, Birds of Prey number one from uh, DC's Black Label. Um, and realistically, this gives us the Birds of Prey cast of the movie. Even with Black Mask as the villain, but it gives us a good story. So, effectively, to me, you know, because I read into things, um, to me, this felt like Azarello saying, hey, here's what you could have done to actually have made that a good story. Um, (laughs) And because you get a great Huntress. Dude, uh, Black Canary had some of the best uh, setup and character development I've ever seen for Black Canary, ever, in this book. Oh, interesting. Um, Where she had a personality that was something other than Fishnets and Oliver Queen. Um, Okay, that was overdue. uh, Because almost everything I've seen of her, you know, there was that time in the early 2000s where she was adopting the girl Sin and but beyond that black canary for the longest time has just been a b-list wonder woman who screams and uh has a toxic relationship with oliver queen that usually ends in death or something um this shows that she's actually a person struggling with issues okay i'll say this to me this issue does for black canary what 52 did for renee montoya um, oh, oh, that's interesting. And maybe, I'll, yeah, maybe explain that a little more for folks that uh, uh, Renee Montoya for the longest time was just a character in the GCPD. And then 52 gave us a long in-depth look into who she was, the dirt she struggled with and made you care about her as a character. So that when she became the question, um, you invested in her and honestly, Renee Montoya's version of the question is one of my favorite DC comics iterations. Um, Black Canary is genuinely struggling with loneliness and uh, with petty, uh, shallow behavior and trying to cope her grief with drowning it out in just, you know, debauchery. Um, And, I don't, I don't know. It just like, it felt like this is a real person, not a caricature. Um, mm. And I feel like I would continue to pay money for this. One, I get Renee Montoya, which, as I said, is one of my favorite characters. You get a pretty solid Huntress in this. Um, you get some great dialogue. You get some great villain action. Um, and honestly, you get a version of Harley that, me- that meshes well. But... Um, when you read this book, you I honestly feel like if you've watched Harley Quinn and the Fantabulous or Birds of Prey and the Fantabulous, whatever it was of Harley Quinn, if you've watched the Birds of Prey Emancipation, movie, yeah, that word. Uh, well, they changed the title too um, after it hit theaters um, to shorten it. Um, oh, that's right. Uh, but 
I honestly feel like if you care about any of those characters and you wanted a solid comic book or you wanted a better version, this book is what you wanted to see in theaters. Hands down. Um, and then also, uh, I picked up Basketful of Heads number seven, um, which is Joe Hill's uh, conclusion to his uh, macabre horror story. Um, that also has Shawshank references all throughout it. Um, and I'm not mad that I invested the time or money into this story. But I also could have lived without it. Um, you know those horror anthology shows or movies like Tales from the Crypt or something where you see right. like a short story and you could take some or leave some. This honestly feels like it belonged as a tales from the crypt episode. Mm. Um, but, uh, I don't know if I would have like rewatched that episode. Um, I will say this, you know, on my level, one of my favorite things, you know, that if you've listened to this podcast at all for a while is, you know, when they overtly use scripture and things and taking a page from Tom King's Batman 53, uh, Joe Hill ends this whole run with a full page, uh, spread of Proverbs 28, one, which is the wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. So literally you've got this bloody horror, supernatural story. And then the last page is just straight up scripture and some heads in a basket. So I'm like, oh, okie dokie. Okay. Like, it's like, literally like, here you go. Thanks for reading. Here's a Bible verse. Bye, kids. Uh, so Here's a basket full of heads and a Bible verse. That's Bye. Literally, the last page is a basket full of heads and a Bible verse. Um, wow. So that was the thing. Um, so if that's your deal, it, I'm sure it'll be in trade soon. You can check that out. So what'd you read? What, what, what uh, turned your pages? Let's see. Um, yeah, I was kind of all over the place, but I guess I'll start on the DC side and then kind of cross over. Um, for those of you that have been listening for a hot minute, uh, you know that I enjoy The Flash. And The Flash in the most recent arc has been literally battling a supervillain known as Paradox. And I get it. He, the guy who keeps breaking time creating paradoxes is now fighting a dude called paradox comics happened y'all comics happened but that said paradox was actually pretty interesting because it actually was all about breaking of the timeline and barry allen still after really jacking up the timeline multiple times over in every iteration that barry allen exists television print otherwise breaking time and still not learning his lesson pretty much. But um, the entire arc was actually centered around the fact that he had to join forces with his arch nemesis and the reverse flash in Earbard Thawne. And that's kind of cringy because he's like, cool, how we beat Paradox is we travel back in time and we murder him before he becomes Paradox. Problem solved. Time travel. Because that always works so well. Right, Barry? Right. And, and well, and Barry's like, yeah, we probably shouldn't do the murdery thing. <laughs> and Thrawn, Thrawn's just like, Let, let's do the thing. And it's like, wow. 
I mean, this is fun in and of itself that literally the Flash and the reverse Flash are like, let's murder him. And the Flash is like, no, stop it. That's your answer for everything. Um, Because it is. Um, But it just, it wasn't another one of those things where, you know, Barry was just going to become friends with his arch nemesis that the whole thing kind of plays out and they do eventually beat Paradox and all that good stuff because, you know, good guy wins. Um, But just like all the previous times, reverse thrash, reverse thrash. Wow. There's words there. Reverse flash. Um, that's the name of my, uh, animal crossing themed metal album, the reverse thrash. Go that, on. That's, that sounds right. <laughs> um, and he, there's another panel where he does a very reverse flash thing and murders somebody incredibly important to Barry again. So I, I'm going to leave that one for the page turn, but I, it's it, the thing that I love about the flash is every time you kind of know this is coming, you somehow still manage to turn the page and go, Oh, Oh no, 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 no. So for those of you that don't think the flash can continue you sound to be like interesting, the flash readers are like Stuart's mom from Mad TV. Stuart. No, right. no mommy said no. no. I don't want to, and that's pretty much how it played out. I was like, no. Look what I can do. Um, so for those of you that still read the Flash or want to read the Flash, I'm not lying to you. It's a most it's the most Flash thing possible has been Williamson's run, and it continues to be. And taking something that you thought you probably knew how it was gonna play out because they start back at the I'm gonna kill your mom moment for like the forty seven thousandth time. Um, so going along for this ride was actually interesting and I applaud the fact that we can keep coming back to that part of the broken timeline in the speed force and still be entertained by it. So go do the thing. I don't know that I applaud that, but go on. Yeah, but you go on. Barry's mom has been murdered so many times. Um, so also on the DC side, we saw the return slash continuance of Batman, the animated series. Um, Paul Dini um, returns to print in Batman The Adventures plural continue and we got the most animated series return to the story possible because everybody is in this book um, I think because I think I read this a bunch of times looking over the title and went right the adventure continues no there's an S at the end of that there's a reason for that kids it's because um, you're going to get Batman and all that stuff and you're going to get Superman and all that stuff. So it literally is adventure as in plural adventures from the animated world that I'm not sure how many more favorite characters from the series we could have seen in the first issue, but 90% of them were probably there. So it's great to have Deanie back in writing this stuff. And it'll be interesting to just kind of continue for the ride, but also has that cool look from the animated series. So if that was your jam, then this continues to be your jam because it's just going to give us that space and the overlap. So that's cool. I dig well, it. And, we got uh, Lex- let, let, let me throw yeah. out there that because I would be I would lose my sponsorship if I didn't um, <laughs> that uh, this also gives us our first look at the animated series introduction of jason todd slash red hood so oh yeah if if that's uh if that's your hot buttered toast and your jam 
uh, breakfast is served. I so. see what you did there. Ha <laughs> Wordplay. <laughs> Nailed it. So, yeah, you're going to enjoy it. Um, and it's going to have some of that Red Hood in it. So, you know, Hector's like excites for the next one. All the excites. So I think before I transition over to my Marvel side, I've created a nice little sandwich where image book goes directly in the middle of my reads from the last couple. And Hector and I have both been reading the series uh, Mercy, which is you know, kind of the next book from the creator of Unnatural that we had lots it, of great things to say it's about. It's the next Unnatural. book that we could feel comfortable reading, <laughs> right? Um, um, because Unsacred, I couldn't get it down with. Yeah, that's true. Um, anywho, um, so we told you that Unnatural was you know an adult book. This continues in that vein, but it's definitely. A different process and Hector quite honestly I'm through issue number two it is a six part mini and I'm still not really sure what's going on other than that the main character is some type of crazy vampire plant um yes I think and all maybe yeah I think that's all we're supposed to know at this point but leads me to go wow there's a lot that's going to happen in the next four issues so if you enjoy the art that came out of her previous books then um Mercy's a thing. It's very beautiful. I'm still very confused. Um, but maybe I'm supposed to be that. So it's very I don't gothic have... too. So if yeah, you yeah. Like it's it's Batman vibe. by Gaslight, but with vampire plants. Um, Do you think she's a plant? Because I never thought a plant. I don't know. I keep getting plant vibes from it, but either way, not of this world. Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I keep feeling plant because I thought there's like these interludes in both the first issue and the second one of something growing out in the forest that that one group is protecting. Um, I, just, I just felt like it was like that. a discomplacent alien consistency more so. That is also very true as well, that there's just some weird shape shifting and lots of teeth um, yes. going on there. Um, so, yeah, if you're looking for that, like um, – it's not quite steampunk. It's just steam sci-fi. <laughs> um, it's steamy. It's yeah. <laughs> boo. Boo. So, so that's a thing. But let's let's talk about our Marvel friends because I mean, obviously, I'm about to talk about Daredevil. Um, but before I get there, I want to just shock and awe all of you who follow us into the fact that I picked up Avengers 33. Um, because I love me the Moon Knight and there's a Moon Knight art going on and holy moly, y'all, uh, I'm super happy. Um, so if you're a fan of that Mark Spector, um, and the Moon Knight, you need to pick up Avengers 33 and follow the rest of this arc because I'm going to give you the short version. Um, Mark shows up as the Moon Knight basically to a handful of Avengers and is like, yo fam. I'm here to take your power. And they're like, Haha, Mark, that's cute. Are you crazy right now? And he's like, more than usual. Um, he's like, no, seriously. And he one by one starts taking the Avengers powers for some reason to serve his moon God. Cause that's what he does. Um, but Mark, even when he's crazy, usually is doing good things. And so all the Avengers are like, what gives Mark? And literally one of them was like, are you doing the thing with the other three of you thing? Or, so, yeah, if you don't follow Moon Knight at all, like he has multiple personality disorder. There are four distinct individuals that make up Moon Knight and 
that's complicated and they're going to play off from that. But you want to watch Moon Knight kick some butt. And then also when he runs into Black Panther, part of his stealing other people's powers are that they're external powers that are separate from the person. And Black Panther's like, hey, fam, I am the weapon. And Mark kind of just looks at him and he's like, oh, right. (laughs) That's kind of where that issue ended. And I was like, I love everything about this. That I don't really know what all of this is up to, but I kind of dig the Breaking Bad and it being Moon Knight. So I'm all kinds of Marvel happy right now. So Marvel fans, you're welcome. I'm super happy. And that's because also Daredevil just continues to be one of the best Marvel books. And I will not apologize for almost every episode that a Daredevil book comes up saying that. Because if you haven't figured it out. It's not just one of the best Marvel. It's one of the best books in comics. Right. And... This is 20 issues in the Chips of Darcy's run, and I was saying this even before Sewell finished. <laughs> so, and that Sadarsky's just taking us off in another completely amazing direction. That the last issue of Daredevil 19 was this crazy, nothing but action filled book of all these old school villains just tearing apart Hell's Kitchen. And we see the culmination of that battle that, as we said at the end of the last episode, a a previous villain of Daredevil's shows her true colors and we didn't know that was the case, but she's actually helping at the moment. And I'm still not going to say her name because I think it's unfair because it's still kind of cool that reveal. And then that she's kind of helping in the middle of all this. But again, Murdoch's been battling himself in about, you know, he killed a person all the way back at the beginning of this and what that means for him and his faith and also who he's being as Daredevil that just seeing the thing play out that he also ends up back to back with um, the Kingpin Wilson, Wilson Fist trying to take Hell's Kitchen back from these uh, aristocrats that are just kind of trying to claim it for themselves. And, you know, Wilson's kind of like, don't misunderstand this. I'm still the mayor of New York and I'm fighting for my city. Screw you. <laughs> um but uh, there's some craziness coming because this battle kind of finally works itself out to a bit, but that there's obviously a big bad fight coming in the not too distant future. But Chip has also said that in the not too distant future, he is going to completely redefine who Daredevil is. And I think this is all the foundation. So if you haven't heard that and you really care, I'd probably start catching up because Chip's at least insinuating that he's going to do something significant with daredevil even beyond where we currently are so this is when i get super excited about comics because daredevil has been through a lot of different things and we've seen kind of the shadows of what's going on so i'm curious what a quote-unquote redefining of matt murdoch and daredevil truly looks like especially given what we know right now so holy moly comics are back and they're super super exciting so um you should be reading comics we tell you guys that read more comics we're not kidding um but speaking of which hector um my voicemail has been full for like the last week because apparently when we play people actually telling us about their books people believe us and call like we tell them to. It's not a trick, fam. We actually listen to your stuff and then go, that's pretty dope. Let's put it on the show. So for today, um, 
What you're going to get to hear, fam, is from our friend Chris Cook. He's up in the Great White North, I believe, Ontario. So we got that international audience. What? Um, And he's going to tell us about Gillen's 2015 Vader run and then just Power Rangers in the current existence. And it's pretty dope. So let's give it a listen. Hey, guys. This is Chris Cook from Hamilton, Ontario, in Canada. Uh, Just wanted to recommend two great comic runs. Uh, the first is from Kieran Gillen, his Darth Vader run that started in 2015, uh, around the time Marvel got the Star Wars title back. It was outstanding. Um, set place between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back, just seeing Vader be awesome and gangster and dark and just sinister was fantastic. Uh, it was very much Rogue One Vader in comic book form. The other one I wanted to recommend is the... Uh, Power Rangers comics from Boom Studio kicks off in 2016 um, by Kyle Higgins. It is a fantastic update of Power Rangers. Um, we get the wonderful cheesiness, but an updated seriousness. Um, and just a bunch of love letters to not only longtime fans of the franchise, but also sprinkled in some Super Sentai stuff. So I hope you enjoy those. Hope you're all having a great week. Love you guys. God bless. So that's Chris from Ontario telling us about, you know, pretty quick there, but this is one of those. I did read one of those. I don't know about you, Hector. Did you read the Vader 2015 run Gillen's was, I don't, it was either the first or second in that Vader series, but it's kind of the space that sits between the movies. So it's, it's between the end of the Clone Wars and New Hope. So there's stuff like on Geonosis and it was interesting. It's one of the Vader runs. A lot of people were like, that was cool. But it also, for some folks, felt kind of dropped in the middle of stuff because it was. I personally, and I uh, I know it's, I, I'm still sucking for this. Uh, I've only read one Star Wars comic book in my life. Um, and oh, wow. it was the uh, back issue. It was the issue recently that was the... Uh, backstory on Snoke, and i only oh, did it okay because a friend wanted that information and didn't read comics um so i'm really sorry um uh, but uh, you need to read some of the vader stuff because it was really good i'm, I'm aware trust me trust me like you got me to watch clone wars and rebels please get off me, <laughs> Give me <time. laughs> that only that only took a couple years but yeah. it means if people keep telling you to read it that you probably will but um, i did buy but, the kanan hardback graphic novel and i plan to read that um so yeah okay there's Which, by the way if you have an ollie's in your region um, I w- like my local comic book store had the Kanan hard graphic hardback graphic novel for thirty five dollars, and then the exact same graphic novel is brand new at an Ollie's for six dollars. Um, so if you would like a hardback graphic novel of uh the Kanan the Last Padawan that is in your local Ollie's, they also have almost every Daredevil graphic novel. Done by Wade uh, for $2. Oh, that's not bad. No, not at all. Um, So the second half of Chris's recommendation was uh, Kyle Higgins' run on Power Rangers, which I think goes through Shattered Grid and all the stuff recently. And the only reason it sounds like I know what I'm talking about is because I sold a lot of it, but I'm 
this is where I get to say I'm not the biggest Power Rangers fan, so I never jumped into it. But I know for people that absolutely love Power Rangers, this is definitely a space that you want to be able to read um, the stuff that his entire run has been really good. And that's at Boom Studios. So that's some really good stuff. Did you ever get into any of the Power Rangers or is this another that our our reader base really is listener base is really telling us what we don't know? Um, this is more our reader base telling us what we don't know. Uh, the only Power Yay. Ranger issue I bought was the one where the turtles became Power Rangers oh. recently. Yeah, that was a good crossover too. So it was, I don't I, remember if, Higgins but that was literally that me just trying to support local comic book shops before books stopped shipping. So I was looking for uh. things to buy. So that was, so yeah. there you have it. Uh, Thanks, Chris, for giving us a shout. And those two, Vader, absolutely, you need to read that. That was Gillen's run. And Power Rangers, if that's your jam, uh, there's a ton of stuff you can catch up on. And there's a lot going on in the lore there that if it's your thing, it's a lot of stuff that you want to catch up on. So, Hey, is, is that Vader run the one where he says, all I am is surrounded by dead men? Is that that run? Possibly. That's I'm, It might be. I'd have to go back and double check. That sounds right. I forget, so I'm not going to impugn myself because that would suck, but it was really fun because anytime they fill in the rest of the timeline in the Skywalker saga, it just kind of makes me happy because I understand the backdrop, but you get to keep telling new stories that flesh out these characters more and more, which is why Rebels and Clone Wars was super good. So that's why I enjoy seeing these different things. So just like that, you give us a call. We play and we talk about it. So if you want to join in on the fun, you can call us at 706-530-1412. Leave us a 30-second, one-minute message about your favorite, and maybe you'll be on the next episode telling the entire world about what you're currently enjoying. It's that simple. Buy the, comics, the entire read them. world, by the way, guys. Right, the entire, all of, all of them. All the way to Canada now. True story. Okay. Um, so call us and nerd out. So we love to hear what you're reading. Just hit us up by the following Friday and we'll try to get you in on the next show. As I said, a lot of y'all called. So we got a little bit of a backlog to start working through, but that's cool. We dig that. So yeah, fam, it's been another fun episode of the Polis podcast, episode five of season two. It's now in the books and in your ears, but we couldn't possibly do this alone. As many of you know, we take this epic journey of podcast and fandom with a bunch of other awesome shows over at the Love Thy Nerd Podcast Network. We're actually starting to add more stuff, so it's almost too much for me to mention here, but you're going to hear more and more about those shows in the future. But check out lovethynerd.com, and you can see all the other shows underneath our podcast network. So awesome. Hector and I just truly want to thank you for choosing us as your primary comic book knowledge factory on a near weekly basis so don't leave us hanging rate and review the show on your favorite podcasting app of choice we are on the itunes spotify stitcher radio and so many more so thanks for listening everyone and remember kids read more comics i'm gonna take all seven continents as a game of risk